uh, Hebrews uh, 13, uh, verses 17 and 18. This is the word of the Lord. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience, desiring to act honorably in all things. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word in this passage and the other two that we'll look at this morning. Lord, I do. We pray again. Holy Spirit, please move in me. Give me courage. Give me clarity. And I pray for their ears and their hearts that they would be good soil, that the seed sown of your word this time would bear good fruit in their, in their lives and mine. And we love you, Lord, in the name of Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, let me just real quickly review this series. If you've been here, this is review. If, you're, if you haven't, then this is uh, catching up to speed. All right, so as we open up today nominations for elder and deacon, we thought it'd be helpful to talk about what's the job description of elders and deacons, and then what's their, the qualifications for them. So if you remember, we talked about elders. Uh, they're to shepherd the flock. And we used four words that we found helpful. Uh, they are to know the flock and uh, feed the flock, uh, protect the flock, and lead the flock. We talked about that. And then we talked about deacons and how uh, deacons are to take as many burdens off the elders. Uh, they especially care for the physical needs of the people and the church itself. And um, so that the elders can focus on, as it said in, in Acts where we read, um, on prayer and the mystery of the word. Then we looked at their qualifications. Those were long lists, if you remember those, for both, right? There are all these things that they had to be in order to be an elder or a deacon. And so why, why do we have another sermon, right? Like, shouldn't we be done? What else is there to talk about? There is something that's missing. Now, for most of the American church, we should be done. There's nothing else to talk about because the job of the church is the leaders lead and everyone else enjoys the ride. But that's not actually biblical, so that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at your job description. Did you know you have one? And there's actually qualifications for you. Did you know that? The Bible has that too. So we're going to look at that today. So we're closing up, turning the tables and said, if God answers your prayers, I'm confident he will, and give us elders and deacons. When they get here, when we nominate them, train them, and then elect them, what's your job toward them? Does that make sense? So that's what we're looking at today. And then what the Bible says about that. Um, pause that for a moment. I want to tell you a story. Um, for an anniversary some years ago, I took my wife on a cruise. It's the only one I've ever been on, a Caribbean cruise, and we had a great time. And so on this cruise, and if you've been on one, you know, but if you haven't, you can imagine. On the cruise ship, there were tons of staff doing all kinds of stuff everywhere. They weighed on every need you had. And uh, I imagine that every one of those staff had a job description and probably qualifications that got them that job, right? That the chef could cook and the you know, everyone had their job, right? Um, what about Lori's in my job? Do you think we had a job description? Qualifications to be on their ship? Nope. We just, we're passengers. We just enjoy. We could eat. You know, they had food all the time. Our only job was just to have fun, right? Only job is to have fun. Is the church like that? That's how most people view the church, right? We just, it's like a cruise ship. I'm your cruise director this morning. Right? And people to choose the, how exciting was the program. People decide churches based on nothing more than that. But that's not actually what the Bible says. So look at page 7. You're going to see the outline. 
um, we're answering the question, what role does the church have toward the elders and the deacons? So we answer that in three ways. First answer is make a commitment and follow the leaders. This one actually has four subpoints. We're going to spend the majority of our time on that first point. Um, so why? Why should we make a commitment to the church? Why should we follow the leaders? Um, four reasons. God commanded it first. And then second, um, they, the leaders of the church, keep watch over our souls. C, they must give an account of our souls. And then D, it is to our advantage. Okay, that's the first, that's the explanation for the first one. The second reason is that we should, what our role is, is to function as part of the body. We'll unpack that when we get to it. And then last, fan into flame your spiritual gifts. So that's where we're going this morning. So let's begin with that first one. Make a commitment and follow the leaders. So the, the first reason why is God commanded it. Look at verse 17 again. The first couple of words. You can't get much more direct than that. Obey your leaders and submit to them. That's pretty direct, isn't it? So God commanded it. Now, there are two words, obey and submit. Aren't they synonymous? What do you think? Well, so you can't see this in English. Um, obey in Greek actually has this nuance of being persuaded by. And so it's in the context of teaching. Okay, so when it says obey, it's talking about obey the teaching of the church leaders. So that's important. Whereas submit, we'll get to that in a second and unpack that. Okay, so um, now, when you hear obey, you think, okay, if it's not about teaching, just blindly follow. Like, you know, whatever the leaders say, you just need to say, yes, sir, right? Like in the military. That's not at all. Because Scripture elsewhere actually commends people for testing the very thing I'm doing this moment. It says in um, Acts 17.11, it commends people. I'll read it to you. It says, um, these guys were better. They examined the Scriptures daily to see if these things were so. So they heard the preaching. They went home and said, I don't know about that. When they opened their Bibles and they checked, they fact-checked what the, the pastor said. So that you can't, you can't commend that and then also say blindly follow, right? So it is commended. And we love this. It'd be great for you to come to Brandon and I and say, you know what? I just didn't see that. I'm looking at the same passage you are and I'm not seeing it. Or the, what about this other passage? I, I think it actually contradicts what you said. We would love that, right? That you should wrestle, wrestle with the text, wrestle with us. Because at the end of the day, I, don't want you, I never want anyone to say, you know what, Nathan says, blah, 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 or Brandon says, no, I want you to be convinced from Scripture. Convinced that you'd say, the Word of God says this. Now, I'm trying to explain it to you, and to the extent that I accurately do so, you are to obey that. So that's what that verse is saying. Does that make sense? Not just we're blindly following, you're obeying to the extent that I accurately and Brandon accurately teach the Bible. Okay, that's the first part. Now, what's the second part? Oh, wait, kids, I have something for you. Um, kids, if your parents were to serve you, just hypothetically, vegetables with your dinner, okay? So you get some vegetables in front of you. All right, now, if you sneak and you throw them in the trash can, do they nourish your body? This isn't rocket science. That's right, we got some nods now, right? Okay, so yes, your parents have a role, right? They're the ones who are supposed to serve you the nutritious meals. What's your job? right? You got to eat this stuff, right? The same is true here. There are many people in many churches that sit in front of vegetables and walk away and never eat them, right? Just by being here, you don't like get transformed by osmosis, right? Just by being here and, and you, you know, that you're hearing my voice, it doesn't actually do anything. Even the Bible, 
it has to be digested. Does that make sense, kids? You got to eat your vegetables, right? Your parents don't mind that plug. But yet, we, in order to be nourished, we have to actually eat it. Same is true spiritually. Okay, so that's the first half, obey, but then submit. So submit has to do with yielding, right? You know, you see the traffic signs, yield, let the other guy first. No, when you yield to some other authority, this is also not popular in America. We don't like submitting to anybody. This is what it says. It says, submit to, to yield to those that you're about to nominate. So just, just to warn you, the people that you nominate, you're saying that I want to, in the future, submit to them. I want them to be my leaders. That's what this is saying. It's humbling. It's humbling to ever have to submit to anyone. Uh, but we have the example of who? Jesus. Who did Jesus submit to? The Father, right? Was it because Jesus was so inferior? No, he wasn't inferior. This is what Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. So about the cross. He says, please remove it from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. You see how he's yielding? He's saying, this is what I want. I'm not really excited about bearing all the sins of all the world, or all the people, all your people, right? He's going to go to the cross and pay all this huge price. He says, I'd rather not do that. But he says, it's not my will, but the Father's will. We are to yield. Okay, so that's the first sub-point. God said so. Why should you do it? Because God said so. Now, for some of you, that's a hard pill to swallow. So thankfully, it doesn't stop there. If you look at verse 17, it says Hebrews 13, 17, it goes on. And so that brings us to our next little sub-point. Why should you? Because they keep watch over your souls. Keep watch. You see that in verse 17, hopefully. We've talked a lot about shepherd and sheep, a real common Bible um, picture. And uh, this here is of a picture of shepherds keeping watch over their sheep. They often would do it at night. They often would lose sleep to make sure the wolves didn't come in the night. Right? And so this is the picture. And elders, when you elect these elders, one day they will lose sleep over you. Right? They will care about the spiritual well-being of the flock. And so that's part of it is to keep watch, is to lose sleep, to care about someone. Now, kids, could you imagine like one sheep saying to another, okay, so there's all these sheep, and they say, they watch one walking toward a cliff, and they say, hey, don't do that. Listen to the shepherd. He is, he's here to care for us, right? So listen to him, or you're going to walk off a cliff, okay? So that's what this is saying. This verse says, they are keeping watch over your souls, so listen to them so you don't get yourself hurt. Just like a sheep could say to another, if they could talk. Don't get yourself in trouble. Okay, so that's how God set it up. He's the chief shepherd. He set up under shepherds. The elders and deacons, once they're here, are here to help you. They're laboring to keep spiritual watch over your souls. Do you know sheep can't watch out for their own safety? Sheep can't watch. Can you? Can you look out for your own spiritual well-being sufficiently? I think if we're honest... We overestimate our ability to do so. I can probably take pretty good care of myself, particularly the adults in the room. At least you children, you are aware that you can't do everything for yourself. But we have this, this um, a false notion that we can take care of ourselves. Because I generally, like, I pay my own bills. I'm no longer dependent on my taxes. I'm not, I'm not, I have other dependents. I'm not the dependent anymore, right? Is it that, can we do that spiritually? God would say, no. 
That's why he set this up. He set up shepherds. You would have no need for this if you could take care of yourself. God set this up because we need shepherds. We have to come to terms with that. We should want people to watch out for ourselves. We have enemies. Do you have enemies? You do. You have one inside of yourself. It's called your flesh. And you have enemies outside, Satan and the world. I mean, do you ever feel pressed upon by the world, lied to by the world? We need shepherds to look out for us. Sheep can't look out for themselves. Neither can we. Okay, so the next subpoint, there's another piece. Look at 17. They give an account for your soul. Look at 17. It says, keeping watch over your souls are those who will have to give an account. What incentive do you have? It's because someone has to give an account for you. Okay, so kids, I have another job for you. All right, I'm a chief shepherd, and I've got thousands of sheep. And I would like to give you 100 sheep to take care of. Are you ready for this job? Okay? I'm going to give you 100 sheep. Every one of you gets 100 sheep, okay? You have to take care of them, okay? You take them away. A month later, you come back. And so I'm counting your sheep. 83, 84, 85. I gave you 100. 85. Where's the rest, I say? Oh, I, I, I don't know. These are most of them. I saw some wolves, and there was a cliff. But hey, here's, here's 85 of them. Am I going to be happy with you? Nod your head. That's correct. No, I'm not going to be happy with you. You lost some of my sheep. I gave you 100. How many am I expecting for you to bring back? You can say it. There you go. 100. You must give an account for every... Okay, if we have any teachers in the room. Um, if you go, have you ever taken kids on a field trip? And parents, you probably have let your kids go on field trips. It's a glorious thing. Isn't it taking kids on a field trip? And uh, so say you went to the zoo, all right? And so you took all the kids to the zoo, you get home, and the parents, um, excuse me, where's Johnny? Uh, I think I saw him by like the boa constrictor exhibit. I don't know. Here's most of the kids. How is that going to go? A teacher must give an account for every single child. By golly, you signed that permission slip. You were expecting to get your kid back. You must give it. The same is true with the church. Every single soul. Elders and deacons must give an account for every soul entrusted to them. Just like teachers, just like you little delegated sheep herders, you shepherds, you must bring back all 100. And I would expect that if you lose one, you would leave the 99, go after the one, get him and bring him back, because I want all 100 back, please. You must give an account. This is what this verse says, is it not? This is a reason that you should want elders and deacons. What is your job? Your job is to obey their teaching and to follow them. So you don't walk off the cliff or go hang out with boa constrictors. Or, right? You want someone to have to give an account for you. That is a blessing. I mean, parents, would you consider ever just sending one of your kids off to the zoo by themselves and say, have fun, stay away from the boa constrictors? No, you want someone who will give an account for your child. Do you not want someone that will give an account for your soul? That is why you should obey and submit to leaders. Now, the question is, who are I'm accountable for, right? Just like, I mean, if you took your kids to the zoo in your field trip, are you accountable, are you accountable for every kid that's there? No, just the ones that you brought from your class. So we aren't accountable for everyone who walks through these doors. Many people visit once and they go away. Do I have to go track down everyone who ever comes through these doors? 
What if they visit two times or ten times? How do I know who I'm accountable for? This has come up many times in this as we've gone through the series. It's those who've committed. It's the parents who signed the permission form. There's a binding agreement to say, oh, you have said you've bound yourself to this church. I now have to give an account for you. It, it works in every other situation. With sheep that I delegated to you, it works with teachers, with the permission slips. It also works with the church. And just to remind you, I'm not the only shepherd in town, nor is Brandon. Right? There's other shepherds, but I just want, God intends that every Christian have a shepherd. Every Christian have a shepherd. Someone who's giving account for them. Someone that stays up at night making sure that they're okay. Right? So if, if this isn't the place, we want every, this is what God intends. And I've often said this. I'll talk to random people and say, oh, you have a church home. Oh, yeah, I go to this church. That's great. I just I want to make sure everybody has a church home. You don't have to come to my church. Just be in a church home and commit yourself to them. Someone has to give an account for you. All right, so there's another reason, and this is the last part of 17. It says, it is to our advantage. Look at the end of 17. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. I don't know if any of you have ever babysat. When I was young, I did a lot of babysitting. And I know what it means to babysit in groaning. It is when kids will not do what I'm asking them to. When they're, every, right? I don't know if you've ever done this. Or if you've, maybe you've been a parent with in groaning at moments. But it's when people will, will not listen to you. And so the same is true with elders and deacons. Every elder and deacon has people who will just are unteachable and refuses to listen. It's just not a fun experience. And so he says, don't, don't let them do this with groaning, but with joy. All right, kids, another thing for you. I have a secret for you. Did you know if you will obey your parents, you will give them joy? That probably doesn't surprise you. Did you know you also give God joy? If you will obey your parents, it gives God joy when children obey their parents. But this third one you might not realize, it will give you joy. Did you know that? Everybody's happy when you obey. Your parents are happy, God's happy, and you're happy. Now, maybe not in that very moment because you want to do what you want to do, but long-term, it brings joy. The same is true in a church. That's what, isn't that what this is saying? It will be of no advantage to you. It's a benefit to everyone when we obey the teaching and when we yield ourselves, when we submit. Okay, so there you go. There's four reasons. You see it in that one verse. packed in there. Why should we submit and obey the teaching of our elders and deacons? Four reasons God commanded it. They watch over our souls. They have to give an account, and then it would be of no advantage to you. Okay, can, can I stop now? Is that really, is that everything? Is that all that is to be part of a church? To just obey, just listen. No, we know that because you have two more points, so I can't surprise you too much. Look at the next one. These are more brief. Look at um, Romans 12. Verses 4 through 8, if you have your bulletin, it's in page 7, the right column there. This also is the word of the Lord. So this is Romans 12, verses 4 to 8. <clears throat> for as is one body, for as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body, as in Christ, and individually members of one another having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy, 
in proportion to our faith. If service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who, acts, who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. That is the word of the Lord. So what do you see in there? Well, he's using this big picture of the human body. Kids, did you know that your body is interdependent? You might not know what that word is, but you're about to understand it. This morning when you woke up, who carried you to the bathroom? Who carried you to the breakfast table? Your feet, right? And when you got to the breakfast table, who got the food in your mouth? Right? You need your hands and your feet. Well, then when it made it in your mouth, your mouth chewed it up. Your organs processed it and gave blood flow back to those organs that are going to get you to your next meal. Your body is interdependent. Your hands cannot live without the rest of it. Your organs cannot live without the rest of it, right? Our whole body is dependent on all the other parts. That's what these verses I just read say, don't they? You have many members. And this is a picture that Scripture often uses. It's also true with Christians. Christians are all the body parts. There's another passage that speaks of that. The hand can't say the eye, I don't need you. Important picture. Now, what about your brain? What good is that? It's actually the control center, right? It sent all the messages to everybody what to do. So everyone worked together. But the brain can't even function without all these things, right? It got the blood from the, right? And so your body is interdependent. So who's the head? The head of the church is Christ. But then he's set up under shepherds, right? So an under shepherd, like you, I made you under shepherds. I gave you 100 sheep, right? So I and Brandon are under shepherds, the elders that you elect are under shepherds, right? And so, but do, will the deacons that you, will, you know what? You'll never have to make a meal for anyone who's sick. The deacons will do every meal. No. The deacon's job is to help all of you coordinate it, right? Just like your body. Your brain doesn't do it all. It just tells all the different parts of the body how to coordinate so you don't trip. And kids, as you grow up, there's, there's certain times as you develop that it's not working so well, right? And you trip a lot more, right? But it, it'll work out. But that's part of the function of your body. The same is true in the church. So you all are body parts. So even though there's leaders, you all have a part. Do I have needs? The answer is yes. Does Brandon have needs? Absolutely. So look back at that Hebrews passage. We read 17. Look at 18. Can you believe they asked for prayer? Look at the first three words. Pray for us. We need your prayer. The elders and deacons you elect, they're going to need a lot of prayer. As soon as they're elected, they're going to have this huge target on them. Satan will attack them. will attack their marriages, attack their kids. So you should probably pray for them if you want to keep those elders and deacons, right? And so that because we're interdependent, the body has needs that all of it takes care of each other, right? So that's another part of your role. We also need encouragement. Did you know that Satan constantly accuses leaders? Constantly to discourage us. And then he also gets help from people. You might not believe this, but people in churches sometimes complain. Right? They complain about stuff. And there's a great need for encouragement. So when you elect these elders and deacons, as soon as they get here, someone's going to tell them what's wrong. And so make sure you encourage them because you are part of a body. Just as your whole body takes care of all, you don't even have to teach it how, it just knows to take care of itself. So also, part of your role is to take care of the body. 
Now, there's another interesting piece. Remember I said qualifications? That one you probably might have been surprised by. The qualification to be part of the body. There's actually a qualification for all your body parts right now. It's that they're alive. Do you know dead body parts? Your body rejects. It has to be alive. If it's not alive, your body rejects it. So what does that look like spiritually? Well, you remember the list for elders and deacons, long list. How long is the list to join our church? For us in most evangelical church, churches, it's very short. There's big, one big thing. You have to be alive. No dead people can join churches. That's the rule. No dead people can join Spiritually speaking, that is. You have to be alive. You have to. How, how do you become alive? This is how you become alive. This is also known as the gospel. You must trust in Christ. You must trust it. First, you have to admit that you're a sinner, that you don't have it all together. Some people think, hey, I'll get it all together and then I'll come to church. No, you come to church and your first step is to acknowledge, I don't have it all together. I'm a very broken person. And then you turn to Christ and say, you remember how on the cross he died? Let me read you a verse. This is Colossians 2. And you who were dead in your trespasses. Yes, he just said that we were all dead in our sins. God made you alive together with him. How do you do that? Forgiving all of our trespasses, our sins, by canceling the record of debt. Many of you have had credit card debt. I would love if that could be canceled. I have to actually pay the bill. I did yesterday. But I can't pay this bill. My debt of sin is billions of dollars. It is death. Scripture says it's death. I can't. I can never pay it. He canceled the record of debt that stood against with its legal demands this he set aside by nailing it to the cross. Through his own hands he did. Right? So on the cross he was dying bearing my sin. Because I get impatient at times. I have bad attitudes at times. Don't you? Those things you cannot pay for. Scripture says the punishment for that is death, is the death penalty. You must take it to Jesus and he will pay for it. And then you'll become alive. And then you'll be part of the body. Make sense? That is the one requirement. You don't have to agree with our theology. You don't have to agree with our view on baptism. You don't have to agree with us much of anything except the gospel. You have to believe that Jesus rose again and he's your savior. And you have to acknowledge, I am a sinner and I want Jesus to pay my tab. That's the requirement. So don't misunderstand as we talk about membership and being part of the church. You don't have to agree with what we see, all our theology. You have to be alive. And then the other piece is to say, I, I will be a part and submit and obey, right? Just like you do when you do a, a um, parent permission slip. That my kid is under your care. So also with membership. Okay, so that's really important, the qualification. Okay, if you notice... In that, look at that passage in Romans 12. At the end of it, it listed all these spiritual gifts. And that brings up our last point is this. You need to fan those things into flames. Very briefly, see Ephesians 4? Let me read that very quickly and make a few quick comments. It says, And he gave apostles and prophets, evangelists and shepherds and teachers. To do what? To equip the saints for the works of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of faith, the knowledge of the Son of God. But what's the purpose of that? To mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children 
Parents, you hope your children don't stay children. You hope they grow up. Tossed to and fro by waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined together by every joint. There's this body picture again with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so it, it builds itself up in love. Why is he giving you church leaders? To build you up, to equip you. To spiritual maturity. He wants you to be mature. And so God has gifted you, and you have to fan this into flames. I didn't make up that term. It comes from 2 Timothy 1.6. For this reason, I remind you, Paul to Timothy, fan into flame the gift of God. Okay, so big picture back. You're going to get elders and deacons. You want to be part of the body. You want to make sure you're alive, right? And you want to function as a body, and we depend on each other. But then God has gifted you, and he intends that you use those gifts and fan them into flames. I, it's taken a long time for me to learn to preach. I hated public speaking. There are so many layers of sin on top of a gift God gave me. And so in order to get to the gift, God took a decade or more to take off all these layers, right? And so the same might be true with you. God's given you gifts, but some are hidden under sin or fear or other things, right? And so part of your role, the where you fit in this picture is, you're part of the body God's gifted you, and you're going to have to fan that into flames. You have to do stuff and figure out what, how has God gifted me? How has God gifted me? As we close, I want to use this illustration. What is the role of a military commander? What does a military commander do? Let's make this multiple choice. I always love those in school. You have two options. A is he actually leads the troops into battle. Option B is he goes and fights the battle and all the soldiers celebrate. Okay, which one is it? What do military commanders do? Obviously, A, they actually lead the troops into battle. That is what your church leaders are to do. That's why there's such high, long lists of qualifications. Because they're to live exemplary lives and leading all of you so you can imitate them into fulfilling the Great Commission. Christian, are you not personally commissioned by Jesus to fulfill the Great Commission? You are. And so their job is to help all of us do that. They are military commanders to lead. I've never been on a battleship, but I have a guess that it's very different than that cruise ship that I went to the Caribbean on. Everyone on a battleship, I imagine, has a job description. Right? So is this church and any church more like a cruise ship or a battleship? Obviously a battleship. We are at war, and God intends that we get, get to it, right? It's, this is important to understand. So as we've closed up this series, I just want you to think about this. So as you nominate men, even as you begin today, I want you to begin to prepare yourself to, to set sail. Not, not on a cruise, but to follow their leadership, to continue to do what many of you are doing. Many of you are already doing this. You are using your gifts. It's been exciting to see many of you who've done things you've never done before. And it's glorious. And we all celebrate. This is what God has called all of you to do. So brothers and sisters, this is your role as a church. Commit to join a church, some church. Be a part of it. Commit to it. Follow your leaders. Follow their teaching. Function as part of an interdependent body. And fan into flames your spiritual gifts.
when we pray that God helps us now that you know your calling. Let's pray. Father, you've given us all tall orders. Lord, that we are an interdependent body. Lord, that we are to follow. That we are to fan into flames the gifts you've put into all of us. Lord, I pray that you would continue to surface more and more beautiful gifts. It's been such a joy this past year and a half to see people do things they've never done and to see them excel at them. Lord, it's really exciting. I pray that more and more would experience that. We pray in the name of Christ. Amen.